Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Samuels, and this is another episode of Coffee and Liquidity, the podcast that sits nicely at the intersection of curiosity and business. The American dream can mean so many different things to so many different people. There's no one right answer. There's no one right path forward. But let's talk about ways to set yourself up and your family up for financial freedom in the future. All right. I'm really excited about the show today for uh, Coffee and Liquidity. I'll bring on a guest, uh, Troy Brazel, who's the CEO of Optima Sports. Troy and I have been uh, connected for quite some time, just a, a uh, high motor entrepreneur um, involved in a number of different uh, ventures. Looking forward to picking his brain a little bit, giving him a chance to talk a little bit about uh, what Optima has been up to recently. I, I feel pretty fortunate that I've been able to uh, get a peek behind the curtain over, over the years and, and really get an understanding of, of what's going on in that business. And really looking forward to hearing Troy talk about that a little bit. I know in the last few months, they've had some some serious you know, major steps forward, uh, and they're in some interesting spaces. So with that, I'm just going to go ahead and bring him on. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate you being like guinea pig number four, I think it is. I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out like what to do with my hands and like what you know what this podcasting thing is like. So what's going on today? How are you, how are you doing today? Not bad. I can't complain much. You're Always, out of uh, staying busy, treading water. Yeah, stay, staying busy. Absolutely. You're up in uh, north of Salt Lake City in um, Utah. Is that right? I am. Gorgeous. Up in the mountains. Man, that is just God's country. It's beautiful up there. I got a chance last summer to take a road trip uh, you know, across uh, Utah with some of the family and went through Bryce Canyon and Zion National Park and got a, ch- got a first chance, actually, to really explore that area. I was out there for a couple of weeks and just just stunningly beautiful. I, I don't blame you at all for planting, for, for setting down roots there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, uh, it's interesting because I lived in Northern California, Southern California and uh, East coast for a little while and uh, ended up coming back to Utah uh, for college and playing basketball at the university mm-hmm. of Utah and then moved back to California to work with a venture fund and then just ended up back here. It's, it's hard to get away from the mountains. Absolutely. It has, it has a way to draw you back in. But thank, uh, thankfully, you got over that Southern California time in your life. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we all, we all go through that phase, but it's good to, good to be on the other side. <laughs> that so, is. so, Troy, like I alluded to on the front end, on, on the intro there, you know, I know that you're involved in a couple of different ventures. We, we spoke briefly uh, before the show in sort of w- uh, where we wanted to start here. So I would love to... Uh, Dig in a little bit on, on what Optima Sports is doing. So if you could uh, start us off, but just kind of give a high level of uh, of a little bit of the story behind Optima Sports and, and sort of how it came together and then some of the recent happenings, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, so in uh, our world, Optima accurately predicts athletic performance and professional amateur and fantasy sports. We've been building performance models for uh, over a decade. Uh, current clients include military people, professional European soccer teams, uh, NFL teams, our current models sit just north of 70% more accurate than the actual NFL draft. So we've had quite a bit of success that way. Uh, Over the past eight years, we have five championships. We've worked with three Super Bowl teams, an NBA champion, and an MLS team uh, that went to the Cup. So we've been doing some pretty fun things. And in that uh, vein, over the past uh, not even year, we've ventured into the esports space pretty heavily and also high school football. So we're now going to build performance models around high school athletes, which will be a huge competitive advantage for 
those guys uh, coming out and looking for scholarships as well as esports, and that the esports vertical is absolutely exploding. So before we, I, I want to definitely talk about the esports thing. Before we kind of peel some of those layers back um, from a from just kind of a top level down at a very aerial perspective, how would you say or what would you say in uh, response to how the industries industries plural being sports, esports, professional, high school, etc., have sort of adopted or where are they in the sort of the genesis and the ramp up of utilizing these analytics? I know it's been sort of a buzzword for a long time. There seems to be some groups that have really dove in. There's some groups that still are like very, I don't know what this thing is. How, well, from your seat, give us a picture of kind of what that looks like. Well, in our world, I have to say that it's still, it's an uphill battle with professional teams because they have hired analysts but they're not doing any kind of performance modeling. It's all statistic driven. Uh, so you still have a reluctance for adoption for full analytics. Uh, in baseball, you've had sabermetrics for a while and you've had the Billy Bean models for a while. But I, I think in general, there's more acceptance of analytics, but it's still, it's not a full immersion yet. For sure. So when looking at the, um, so as an example, if you're looking at the high school sports um, for, for Optima, are you generally marketing? I mean, is this something that you would advocate for the athlete needs to have in their back pocket or is, or is this you're contracting at like the either IHL or NCAA, like at the, at the top level down and whoever is interested in coming into those silos sort of like, where does the, where's the marketing coming from, from your side? Are you, are you at the athlete level or? So we are actually at both the athlete level and the university level. So uh, we're in the throes of a pilot program right now with a handful of universities. And as you're looking at universities, they use a myriad of recruiting software, everything from College War Room, which manages all sorts of uh, everything from scholarships and numbers of scholarships and positions, et cetera, to uh, weight room management, uh, you have CSD, you have Huddle, you have college uh, or high school game film, Scout Rivals 24-7. What Optima can do is come in and build performance models, which will greatly reduce the number of licenses the universities need and help the universities identify better talent for their schools. So it, it's much better for the kids because they can see where they rank nationally, analytically, not subjectively. Mm -hmm. And it's much better for the universities because they're getting much better uh, information and more actionable intelligence around those kids. How have you found the process sort of in, and, and I might be off off the path here, so if, if this is just an incorrect assumption, you know, uh, pull me back in. But how, how have you sort of address the objective versus subjective piece of this you know analytics because what you're talking about is not just on-field performance is not just you know your bench press or, or those things you're getting into things that are much more subjective and much more analytical from sort of the the inside out so to speak how have you in your processing you know optima been able to sort of navigate that or how do, how do you approach something like that well it, it's been that's actually very interesting because in the optima viewpoint, we look at, and we're the only analytics company that looks at physical, technical, tactical, mental, and emotional. And when you put mental and emotional factors together, you get heart or locus motivation. 
And to get there, we back up and we look at everything from uh, how quickly they process information, how they make their decisions, choices, trade-offs, et cetera, are, uh, sports psychology, are they driven, are they a leader? Uh, so you know how the guy's going to function both on and off the, the field, the court, the pitch. And, and so for a team, it, it removes a lot of that risk. Yeah, so no, that, that's really interesting. I appreciate that. Um, so if I were, so if I'm a high school athlete, I mean, you know, let's say I'm a high school football player and I'm a, and I'm a sophomore, um, is, is what are some of the things that, that I might be able to do to to improve my standing as far as you're concerned, to maybe be able, outside of, again, outside of on the field, I think on the field is relatively simple, relatively straightforward in terms of better results equals better offers, right? But but in terms of some of the rest of the picture, what are some of the things that, that really, hit the key, uh, the KPIs for you that you have seen that really increase the value of those athletes you know, in terms of what offers they get or what contracts are signing or what have you? Yeah. So in our world, we're building performance envelopes around the athletes. And mm-hmm. so we're able to see, do they have enough of each resource, be that physical, technical, tactical, mental, or emotional for their specific positions? And what does that look like? both individually and in a team setting, and then how do they compare to other players in the same position across the country? And now they would have a very clear picture of where they stand, but also what resources they need to develop in order to play at the next level. So that's one of the key differences with Optima is we're giving a very complete picture of that. And that's for for the uh, student athlete, for them, it's phenomenal because now they have a very clear idea of where they sit and what they need to do in order to develop. Let's go ahead and talk about the esports. Um, you know, that's an, obviously from a macro perspective, that's a, a burgeoning space. I mean, it's been unbelievable. So I, you know, I played video games as a kid, but as, you know, for the last like decade, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I picked up a controller more than like once. And so I'm completely removed from this space altogether. Um, but I think, it, you know, number one, like I said, it, it's, it's been incredible to try to watch the, the market, uh, you know, take off um and then the you know like you like you mentioned i mean the money coming into the space is incredible as well is this sort of the same model from like sports to esports or what is the sort of the transition there in terms of the analytics i mean there's obviously substantively different data points but how is the process any different the process is slightly different but what we're doing in esports is groundbreaking because we're taking the same methodology identifying the overall capabilities of the player and how we get there is a little bit different because we're identifying different data points, which no one has done in this space uh, to date. So we are literally on the bleeding edge. We're the ones driving this. Optimus creating the first uh, predictive performance database in esports. And it's, it's actually quite exciting because you find right now a pretty high injury ratio with some of these kids. And that's because they're playing so many video games. They're getting what's called tech neck, where their neck is locking up because they're focused in one place. They're getting shoulder injuries, uh, posture injuries, wrist injuries because they're holding their remotes, not doing other things for eight to 10 hours a day. So one of the areas that the professional teams want us to look at is likelihood of injury, which we've done in professional sports. We're just testing that a little bit differently. Uh, because there is not a contact sport. <laughs> so it, that part's very interesting for sure. Uh, performance, how quickly they're processing information, eye-hand coordination, 
uh, eye tracking, finger dexterity, uh, finger fatigue. So there's there's quite a few. We're even looking at physical attributes, uh, everything from weight, because that plays a factor on low back for some of these guys that are getting posture issues. So we're looking at uh, a very robust model here, identifying the overall capabilities of players in esports. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. Wanted to take a quick break and talk about one of our sponsors. As always, you can learn more information about our sponsors on the affiliate partners page on alderonventures.com. That is A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com, alderonventures.com. Layla Beds, they didn't want to just perfect the way you buy a mattress. Wanted to perfect the mattress itself as well. As we all know, mattresses are incredibly important. Getting a good night's sleep could not be more impactful to your day-to-day business, day-to-day life, family, friends, etc. They believe it's a place to rest, rejuvenate, and recharge both your body and your mind. And it's a battery recharger and launching pad for your best awake self. And you can't be the best awake self, best mom or bocce player, listener, boot camper, friend, boss, without the best sleep. And the best sleep unlocks the whole you, the better you, the you that's balanced, ambitious, present. So go check it out, alderonventures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. Layla Beds, they have some fantastic specials going on right now. $200 off a mattress, free pillows, and more. Check it out. And now back to the show. What would you say, um, and this is, I guess, across the sports and um, in esports, and this is a pretty broad question, so feel free to take it in any uh, direction you'd like. But I mean, what, what would you say are some underserved niches within the market? Or, or you know, if someone's listening to the podcast today and uh, is interested in esports or interested in sports and has some sense of what you're talking about but isn't in the, in, isn't in the space but might want to start a business or might want to do something to sort of put their feet in the water out, out there, what, what are some of the, the areas that you have seen or maybe, you know, going forward that you may see continue to ramp up um, you know, th- that someone may have an opportunity to, to step into? That one, there are so many around esports, it's really hard to define. But if I were to try and break down three or four, I would say I would look at uh, sponsoring tournaments. Mm-hmm. A, a prize pool for some of these tournaments can be around twenty, twenty-five thousand, and you have anywhere from three to five million viewers for the tournament. It's all online, and that it's. One of the key areas is where can these guys compete uh, for money? That So that's where you're seeing uh, a budding area is sponsoring tournaments. I would say looking at getting into a team, uh, e- even a, a professional team or amateur team, and putting them into competitions, that's an area because that gives – more kids the opportunity to play competitively and develop their skills. Uh, you could also look at uh, sponsoring or getting involved in the testing of athletes. This, this is a, a big area now where uh, companies like uh, Spire Academy, number one, or uh, Collegiate Star league these guys are able to start testing these players and letting them participate in camps and give these guys feedback 
on performance, opportunities for universities, opportunities for uh, professional teams. So I, I, th I think there's really quite a few verticals somebody could get involved in, either directly or peripherally, for sure. A lot of those sounded like you already had to have money. So um, I'm curious if there's anything from the sort of what about like from the iterative startup phase of you know start, um, something. Well, actually, let, you know, let me let me go in a different direction. I'm going to come back to that. Um, I'm curious. So most of what you're talking about seems very. I, I hesitate to say proprietary, but it's very. I mean, it's incredibly value add, and it's it's proprietary in the sense that you know if I'm an esports team. I don't want necessarily the team next to me to have the ability to to have the same analytics. So do you find yourself sort of um, in a competitive stance of, you know, once you've hit joined at the hip for, you know, in an esports example, one once you've contracted one, um, you know, there's is any of that. I assume you there's no exclusivity there. Am I right? That's like the competitors. Like, how, how do you kind of branch that, bridge that gap? I'm, I'm... So in esports, there's so many players. Uh, you're you're looking at tens of millions globally uh, from the amateur sa uh, standpoint. Then you have professional teams. You have the the Phase Clans, Misfits, Cloud Nine, Liquid. You have these phenomenal teams out there, and then you also have to break them down into: Are, are they Rocket League? Are, are they Call of Duty? Are they Fortnite? Are they uh, Madden Sports? And then you have all these subcategories. So when we're working with a professional team, they love this information because it gives them not only their performance measurements against the other teams, but also risk, fa risk factors that they can develop and mitigate some of their risk for tournaments. On the, uh, the competitive side, I, I, I put it that way, there's enough of an overlap that it keeps it very interesting for the teams, but there's also a big enough gap that they they don't need the exclusivity right now. And uh, no one, none of the pro teams want that exclusivity. Whereas when we're working with an NFL team or an NBA team, they want the exclusivity for their division. Right. Uh, so I, I think that's really uh, one of the big differences there. So you you may be more familiar than I, but I was reading um, this morning in, in prep for uh, for today's podcast, um, or maybe it was yesterday. Um, but that uh, Nevada had recently passed a, uh, a what they what they were calling an esports bill uh, that essentially was going to try to make Las Vegas or, or Nevada sort of a hub for this esports arena. Uh, you know, obviously that I think that that makes sense. You're trying to drive traffic to to Las Vegas. Um, have you heard anything about that, or, or what what might you be able to paint in terms of like, sort of the I'm going to qualify the regulatory picture around this or, or some ways, or maybe if you want to answer this question instead, what are some ways that there uh, that barrier to entry, if there is one at all, maybe kind of reduced to, to continue this, this ramp up? Well, I, I think what the regular, where the regulatory pieces fall, and, and I'm not fully familiar because it's a little bit outside of my purview, but uh, from my understanding is I, I can have an esports team, and people want to bet on the esports competitions. The problem that pops up here are some of the esports teams have kids that are under 18. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, am I betting on 
basically minor gamers. And, and that's really been one of the hurdles. I don't, I, I really don't foresee it as a problem because I think what ultimately there's a huge market here. And what we're finding in the NFL, NBA, uh, and pro soccer is these teams are going to make a lot of money off of sports betting. And here you have a budding, I, I don't even know if you want to call it a business. I don't, you can't call it an organization, but uh, I, I call it the budding juggernaut <laughs> because it will, esports will surpass every other NFL, NBA, MLB just by viewership alone. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I, I think they'll have to pass sports betting and make it legal to bet on the games. I just don't know if you'll be able to bet on the individual players. That's where the sticking point is because you do have individual player performance. And then I think you have that, that extra layer of sort of on top of that, you also have, you know, are they going to try, are the regulators going to try to regulate esports in the very same way that they regulate, you know, boxing or things of that nature, where you have to have a commission that sort of, regulates these things top down and i know that the industry or my understanding is the industry has been fighting that tooth and nail you know well it's all like i said from from the optimist side we're out there and we're starting to test professional teams we're starting to test the amateur players so the information i get is coming primarily from the organizations or from the professional teams Mm -hmm. saying hey here's what we're hearing or here's this information or that information so i can't really speak to that i would say it would be extremely hard uh to try and regulate because i can have a fortnight tournament and have players globally participating Mm -hmm. because they push that out you have microsoft has a couple teams you have the uh first-person shooter games, the Call of Duty, the Xbox Live, the Twitch. So I don't know how somebody tries to put their arms around that and control it. It, it, I just, from my standpoint, it's National Football League, you can create rules because everybody's in the same across the nation and same with MLB and NBA. Uh, Esports is different because it's global Mm -hmm. and you have global competitions. And I don't know if you can create a governing body for a global organization that has all the different sports, all the different games, all the different ages. Do they currently have daily fantasy sports for esports? They, oh yes. Yeah. Is that is that a pretty big space, or is that to your point? Is that kind of under the radar? But but it, 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 it right now you're it, it's just really starting to get traction. So you're going to see more and more people gravitating towards the fantasy front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is going back to one of the parts we were just talking about on tournaments. There's really not a lot of tournaments out there where these guys can compete. And so they're doing daily matchups, but a lot of these are just not broadcasted or not carried. So you're finding streaming. Now, this is a whole nother vertical to get into this space is that doesn't cost a lot of money is a streaming platform mm-hmm. that can carry these projects. And uh, there's companies like athletes TV that has, or streaming ultra that has these different verticals. 
and they can carry games. I know that uh, Twitch, obviously, from Microsoft, that's the big one, and they can only carry, I think, 350,000 on their platform. So they're limited. Uh, so I, I think if you're looking from the standpoint of how all this falls down uh, to, the, to the basic levels, it's for daily fantasy. It's how can these guys compete? Where can they compete? That's really the hurdle. Because you, you do have uh, fantasy tournaments and you do have your uh, sports betting. But the problem is it's it's not as if there's it's not MLB. You don't have mm-hmm. <laughs> 50 games a week. Right. You know, it's uh, this is a total aside. But since you mentioned or since you said it that way, it just came to mind. I was reading um, reading a story this morning or maybe just watching a video, a short clip. Um, apparently in the uh, just kind of as an advent of Corona uh, there, I forget what the platform is, but there's this betting platform that there's only one thing you can bet on. And it is Russian table tennis matches, but the table tennis matches, they are broadcast, but they're not professionals. I mean, these are just like people playing table tennis and you can bet apparently like point by point. And it was showing the, uh, the spread or the amount of money, bet on these games and it was outpacing to your point it was outpacing like mlb and nfl games and, and like there was like unbelievable amounts of money at the and i think the reason it came it became like a real story is because last week apparently there was like one game in one of these random matches that there was like millions of dollars bet and so that they thought there was something fishy going on and, uh, like i said that's a total well, aside but, something fishy on yeah. betting in russia Never would have, never would have connected the dots. No, that, that seems totally above board, right? Right. There's there's not nothing going on there, shady whatsoever. Oh no, oh no no oh no no. <laughs> oh man. So the, <laughs> good. What are you gonna say? No. Well, I I think that's uh, you're going to see more evolution in sports betting. I, that is one of the areas that's ramping up extremely quickly. Uh, more and more states are adopting sports betting just because there's uh, great tax revenue, et cetera. But uh, to that, I think you're looking at uh, new ways to engage fans. And mm-hmm. so if, if I'm a fan, the the days of just sitting and watching a game or listening to a game, the, the leagues are pushing, teams are pushing – uh, the the media guys push the sports betting aspect or the DFS side. So I'm sitting watching the game, but I also have a device in my hand, a phone or a tablet where I can bet. And now there's uh, the next evolution is going to be a, a, a day. Uh, I would call it a play by play bet. Okay. Does Mahomes throw the mm-hmm. ball here or does he do a, uh, handoff or whatever where you can literally pick and and make a bet on do they make a first down or not i don't know the more i'm talking about this Troy. so i'm staring at my window it's like 104 degrees in uh, in midland i'm sure it's like 78 and sunny in utah where you are can i uh, do, you, do you can i do you need a house guest for like two months i can like mow the lawn or something can i can i just set up camp in a different part of the country here oh yeah hey come on up it's uh 86 today I mean, you know, 86 isn't cool, but it's better than 104. Oh, yeah. 
But, but oh. we don't have the uh, humidity that you guys have. Well, luckily I'm in the. Well, I say luckily. I, so luckily for me, I'm in the desert, so I don't have humidity. Um, if I was in Houston right now, I'd be miserable, just oh, straight yeah. miserable. So Troy, uh, to, uh, to to pivot back, you mentioned on the front end of, of the uh, the podcast today that there were some kind of new happenings, and and you guys are you know, the business has been in business for a long time, but it seems like in the last six months or so, there, there's been some really cool things happening that are gonna you know, maybe take you guys to the to the next steps and sort of build this vision more more completely. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I kind of you, know, you can get it as detailed or, or or high level as you'd like, uh, but what, you know, sort of where are you guys today and sort of what's the, what's the grander, what's the bigger optimal picture? I mean, where do you want to be in five years from now? Kind of walk us through sort of where, where you guys are going. In our world, Ben, and this kind of falls into the, the liquidity side. So Optima, I've self-funded for the past nine years. And this year we have massive growth, obviously testing high school football players and uh, also selling that data to the universities. Mm-hmm. So that that's one vertical. And then the second and even larger vertical is eSports, where we're going to be testing uh, a few million players and creating the first uh, predicted performance database for eSports. So those two alone, coupled with we have a fantasy arm that uh, is just sitting there because we haven't had time to manage it. We have too much on the... Uh, the core plate. So we have just those two verticals alone are are, are huge, are monstrous. Uh, we've been I mean, approached by a couple of SPACs. I don't know. I, I don't know. If, let, me, let me lean into the mic for a second. I don't know if people caught that, but what you just said was that you're working on, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that people heard a couple of million subscribers into something that if you haven't been listening for the first 30 minutes, this is the monthly subscriber model. Um, that's, that's huge. That's yeah, massive. So- yeah, so I mean, from the the high school side, the players are testing us to be, or uh, paying us to be tested, and then the universities are paying us for that information. And then on esports, it's a very similar model where we're testing both professional and amateur players. And so the universities want that information, the professional teams want that information, the players want that information, because we're building what we call an, an initial performance uh, resource profile on these players. So no one can yeah. do what we do. And now that adds significant value to those guys. But this goes, this talks about and, and speaks to, if we're looking at liquidity, we have phenomenal opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we have the, the big groups coming to us, the big sports backs. And I've always been uh, kept a team, uh, Relative, I, I'll call it relatively small, but I, that's it, it's relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the point of that is when you have big groups chasing you, you're you're doing something right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you uh, you guys are clearly carving out a a, a, a unique niche here. Um, I'm curious. So, Troy, is the, I, I don't know if this is more sort of leaning into the fantasy angle, and maybe you know, to your point, that's uh, uh, sort of taking a backseat at the moment. But uh, have you have you heard any interest, or, or are you already in the? You know, if I was a DFS player and I'm you know one of the one of the big boys, you know, bet, betting tens of thousands of dollars a day or something of that nature, seems like what you're talking about would have a lot of value for me if I have those profiles of the players and kind of can can behind the scenes do a little bit more homework on my side. Have you kind of bl- bled into that at all or is that well so that's interesting because when we launched into fantasy 
the University of Oregon Department of Economics had done a breakdown testing the value of the statistics, and uh, I, I won't name the other groups, but we were two and a half times more accurate and proven to have the only statistical value for fantasy sports. Now, what we we weren't really focused on this point, but it just became one of those aha moments, I'll put it that way, is when we're building our fantasy models, we create a team model matchup, create the score or figure out the score, and then we uh, model the players to those numbers and figure out who's going to contribute to what that actual score is. What we ended up finding out is that we were predicting 11 or 12 of the uh, 14 NFL games correctly by win-loss. And then on about uh, 70% of those, we were within five points of the actual score. There's just a couple areas that are hard to define where you have luck or bad luck. <laughs> you know, that, does he miss a field goal or fumble the ball or the, the randomness? And, and then what I was going to do is uh, it, probably not be good for the podcast, but I was going to show you that prior to the Super Bowl, uh, we pr had predicted, and we were the only analytics company that predicted Tampa Bay to win, and we had 34 points. They had 30. They ended up with 31. So we were within three points of their actual score. And then Kansas City, we were off by uh, 14 points, but they also had two drop passes in the end zone. So not bad. And that was that, that's pretty fun. So we created those type of models primarily for fantasy, but now we look at the opportunity for sports betting and becoming a, a white label for sports books and that kind of opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you were trying to pitch me there, but what you just pitched me was, hey, if I was a handicapper, I need to make a phone call. <laughs> no, wasn't pitching. I just kind of giving you the uh, at the history of what just happened over the past couple of years there. All right, folks. Appreciate you listening to the show today. Hope you're enjoying it. If you're ready to start a podcast, if you're listening to the show today and you've heard something that has lit the fire under you and you're ready to go, check out Podbean. Go ahead and go to alderonventures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. One more time, that is A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com backslash affiliate dash partners. If you're looking for a user-friendly interface, that integrates everything from publishing to management, syndication, analysis, everything that you need in an easy-to-use, intuitive podcasting package, check out podbean.com. It is the solution. It is the answer. One more time, alderonventures.com backslash affiliate dash partners. Back to the show. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's a, you know, this is probably a really easy thing to say um, or, or easy, you know, general comment, but I think it's one of those uh, things that, I mean, the, the data that you guys have at your disposal to one, you know, to one person may not mean anything. It may just sort of look at the matrix and a mess, but to somebody else, you know, maybe the keys to the castle and really what, what, you know, what they need to sort of take the next phase, whether that be, you know, a high school coach or, or, you know, um, or a university or a high school or a, a esports athlete, you know, what have you, I think having, I think I find it fascinating that you guys have so many data points at your disposal, but have been able to make those actionable. Because in my business, what I'll say in the oil and gas business, it's similar that there's so many data points, but the you run up against 
what are those data points are actually actual, you know, actionable and accurate to the point where you can build a thesis around that and sort of take the next step. Uh, and there's a lot of noise. There's, there's a lot of things that seem important but are not. And so for you know for Optimo to be able to to be the sort of the face of being able to take all this information at the nebulous level and dial it down into something that's really going to move the needle. I mean, you know, to your point, you, you know, you guys have sh- have shown tangible upside and progress for you know. Here's what it looked like before Optimo was involved, and here's what it looks like afterwards. Um, you know, I know that you know you and I have talked offline uh, briefly, um, you know, from time to time about uh, what it might look for uh, like for Optimo to take you know an equity stake or, or have a more formal seat at the table of an ownership team, be able to kind of take tell the story that way, or you know some of that. I think that sort of the the niche that you guys have created. Uh, I say created. I mean, this this is this is not like you guys don't have any unless you tell me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like you guys have any what I would call direct competitors. I mean, this is a this is a silo that you guys have really picked out and have honed in that, that's really impressive. I, you know, I, I, I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, th- there's actually uh, two points that are banned at, or three, I guess. Uh, from the optimist standpoint, number one, where we get approached by the big data companies often Mm-hmm. to help with data integrity, because as you said, there's so much noise in the data. They want to know what's actually indicative of actual performance, be that on the field, the court, the pitch. And that's what Optima does, is we've identified the key performance factors and key data points. And, and that's why this becomes so relevant now for the high school players, for the esports players, because no one else has done that. And we're really the leaders there. And uh, to your other point, yes, we've been uh, asked to buy into a team specifically to utilize our analytics. And we we are the only analytics company proven to directly impact winning percentage across multiple sports. There's been uh, one other group that's had some success with European soccer, but they haven't had the championships. And another group that's had relative success but haven't gone to a Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I would call it relative success. We're the only group that's been able to say, here's team one. <laughs> here's where they were prior. They bring us on. Super Bowl. NBA. Can't make playoffs. Two years later, we're there. Uh, and the MLS team was pretty exciting because that was the lowest payroll team mm-hmm. and went to the cup. So from our, our standpoint, there's some other competitors out there, but it's primarily just that they're not strong. And I, I think one of the other points I wanted to make is there's no silver bullet in performance, but Optima is about as close as you can get because we're identifying the key resources of the individual athlete to see how well he can perform given his task. And no one else is doing that. They're all using the regression models, correlation models, a decision tree. I, we had uh, a, a very interesting discussion with uh, one of the NFL teams this year that was looking at Trevor Lawrence. And then they lost that pick because they won the, one of their last games. <laughs> it's like, guys, just don't start anybody. <laughs> and so, take your first pick. 
So let's, I want to take 10 seconds and respond to that real quick. So if you are an unnamed team, we won't name names. If you are an unnamed team that has a schedule for four games in December and all you have to do, or November, whatever it was, and all you have to do is keep losing the games like you did for the first three months, why are you going to wake up and win two out of the four so that you knock? Like, I just, this whole narrative of like, oh, well, we're always on the field to win. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but also. <laughs> well, at some point you say, I'm going to protect the players. I'm not going to take a chance on an injury on art. My starting guys We're we're close to wrapping up the season here. <laughs> I'll give the second string guys the opportunity to play more, develop that talent, protect the starters. Everybody's getting paid regardless. So why would I take the, the risk of losing the top picks? Yeah. I, yeah. That, that whole, that whole ethos is very interesting to me. So um, we're, we're uh, hurtling towards the close here. Had a couple other questions I wanted to make sure to ask you. So you, on the front end, I believe of the podcast today, you mentioned that you guys are looking at uh, raising a series a, since this is a liquidity podcast and in, in theory, we're supposed to be talking about something around like money or something. I don't know. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Are you guys in the process of sort of building that deck and, and getting ready to go to the street? Or is that, is this an open, you, you guys are raising the series a, what does that sort of look like? Because uh, I'm sure we have some people that are listening that may be interested in having a subsequent conversation with you. Yeah, so we are uh, actually in the throes now. Uh, while we've been talking, one of the investment bankers uh, just hit me up and wants to update the deck. So th- there's some we're active at this point to uh, go after that capital. What's what's left unallocated, or what what are you looking to raise here? So I have uh, matching funds available from Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, which is great. I have a good working relationship there. Uh, so they'll match funds. Our law firm also manages some venture capital people, and they have people that will come in if somebody will lead the round. So that's really what we're looking for right now is somebody to lead because we'll have capital either from the bank or from the uh, law firm. Well, I know I I can speak for myself. You'll be getting well. I would say you'll be getting a call from me after the call. You, you uh, like we already are doing that, but I, I'm I'll I'll plant a flag. I'm interested. Uh, we need to figure that out because I, no, I think that uh, like we you know like we have talked about. I mean, I've like I said on the front end, I've been really fortunate that you and I. I think you and I got. I was trying to think about this before the podcast, but I think that you and I have been connected for some four or five years now. Uh, but have started you know had have had a more close relationship over the last couple. Um, oh yeah. And, yeah, and, and looking forward to to building that out. Um, I know that we missed each other when I was in up in Utah. You know, schedules. You know, my schedule didn't work out. I was on the other side of the state before we've actually. I think I was on the other side of the state before I figured out that you were full time in Utah. For some reason, I thought you had set up camp somewhere else. But uh, I, I, it's a good excuse to get back out there uh, and, and, uh, and visit. Uh, uh, would love to get back up. Um, and I don't. I mean, I don't know. Well, actually, let me ask you: Have you have you ever been to Midland, Texas? Not that like there's a reason to go down here, but have you? Have you made it this way? So the, I have been down to Midland because several years ago, I was helping a uh, guy produce a video uh, for ESPN Sports. And it was called Dying to Grow, uh, specifically on high school athletes utilizing performance enhancement drugs. And so we got down to Midland because you have some pretty good football teams down there in the high school front. And it, it was interesting because... When you walk into a high school in Midland and you, you go to see the football guys, I mean, these are all, a lot of them are college guys in embryo. I mean, they are the, the 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 250 like and up. Never heard that before. I like that. That's good. 
So, I mean, so that was my, uh, my, my blush with Midland. So I haven't spent a lot of time there. Man, I, I don't know. I rag on Midland a lot on this podcast. I probably shouldn't because most of the people listening to this probably either live in Midland or from or from around here. But uh, for you know, I've been out here for seven years, so I think I can dog on it a little bit because I mean, this is this is home. This is this is where I was meant to be. But uh, but it's certainly an interesting place to uh, to set up camp for a long time. But uh, so that's I guess that's neither here nor there. But let's see. Um, so yeah, to you your question, I have been to Midland. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't blame you for having it be a fleeting experience. Um, are you, a, are you a jazz fan? I mean, I know that Utah, Utah is making some noise right now. They, they for a while couldn't seem to figure it out, but they, uh, they, they were still, still in, right? They didn't get ousted. I didn't just make myself look dumb, did I? No, they actually uh, beat the Clippers. Yeah, so, they, or, or, or in Game One, I, I should say. But this is actually they have a legitimate chance this year more than probably any other. I, even when they had Stockton and Malone alone and went to the finals against Chicago, they were not going to beat Chicago in seven games. Yeah. So I remember growing I mean, up and watching those games, I was a, I was a big Rockets fan having grown up in Houston. So I, I went, I, I don't think I went to any of the playoff games, but I was definitely like in that rivalry and, and just loved, you know, that, that Utah could never seem to get past Houston. That was, that was a lot of fun for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually, Hakeem Olajuwon was one of my favorite players. And I was watching him in high school, and I had won a uh, competition. So I was invited to a jazz game against the Houston Rockets, ironically. And so they put us, before we went out on the the court, we were standing by the Rockets locker room. And so talk about those guys are massive, those, those pro players. But the guy that absolutely blew my mind was Kevin Willis. Because that guy was, he just, I mean, he's huge, but he is solid. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, holy yeah. crap! I mean, he, I think I think Kevin Willis is like all bit of seven two, but he, you know, he was a beast. Also, you mentioned uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, so I've gotten into sports cards a little bit. Actually, actually, you know what? You and I should have sport, talking about sports cards today. That would have been a good one. Anyways, oh, we'll, oh, we'll have to do, we'll have to do I, that I, another time. I have to tell you, we should do that because we definitely need to. This is. Uh, the one that I'm having graded. Is that the Michael? Yes, sir. That's that is the, the Michael, Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, no, you can't. You know, no, Troy, you can't just throw that for like two seconds. Put it back up. I have, I have Dirk Nowitzki Dirk. rookie card. I love it. <laughs> the sack of rocks. I have a funny story. I was mistaken for Dirk Nowitzki. I'm like, you know, I see the similarity mainly in the eyes, but that's about it. That's funny. You know what? Or the fadeaway. So there, there you go. There it is. There, you know what is uh, what's funny. Um, um, when looking at you, I, I don't see, I don't necessarily see Dirk, but if if you were uh, if you were taller, you, you look very much like Sean Bradley. Do you know who that is? Remember, oh, like the I, real I, I know dude? Sean. I actually, I have a funny story, not for this podcast, where I was mistaken for him and was asked to sign autographs and take pictures. So that I could buy. You, you very, you could pull off Sean Bradley pretty easy. I mean, I, I would know because of the height difference, but. Um, actually, I guess you're sitting now. How, t- how tall are you? Are you like six three? Six, I, I'm four? six nine. Six nine. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I can't. I can't stand up on camera, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. No, you'd uh, you'd be out of picture. Um, no, I, I, like I said, six three, six four. You're a good half foot above where. Okay, that's. Let's say, I mean, six nine. Yeah, you could look at say somebody six nine and like think it's seven foot. Yeah, you could. Pull, I mean, I guess Sean Bradley was like seven six. Now that I think about it, but anyways, yeah. I, I have a picture of him, and I am just under his shoulder 
so have you gotten into sports cards uh, collecting recently or is that just uh, stuff from uh, as a kid oh no i i've loved sports cards but uh i'll still pick some up from time to time and uh i just the whole market and it's fun it's a really fun market to play in yeah we definitely like i said we definitely need to to uh circle back up and, and do it again here here's one more i just i actually just got it so i've got a stack of, of sitting here because i just got a, a submission back from psa um but uh here's a here's a kobe um it's only an eight don't you know don't get too excited it's not a 10 um <laughs> <laughs> so actually this is an aside uh, between you, you and i and again we'll do this another time but uh so I, i've sent in a number of submissions over the last 18 months or so. And since the collector's universe took over, I saw a substantive difference in the amount of tens and nines given. I mean, I, I, my last sub, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think I sent in like 26 cards. I think there were three tens, four nines, and the rest were eights and sevens. I mean, I got destroyed on this last one. I mean, cause you could send them in last summer and like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I mean, just, it didn't seem to matter. <laughs> Yeah, I think the NFT market has really impacted that for sure. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see where the NFT market goes, because you say who actually owns some of that. Uh, I mean, Gronkowski, he went and collected his own and, and ended up having to buy that to collect it to create his NFT. So uh, and then, you know, I don't know if you saw, but LaMelo Ball did something recently as well, very similar. He created like 500. Actually, it's interesting. So LaMelo Ball created 500 NFTs that are essentially, it's an NFT of his career so that like if he were to win an MVP award or a finals award or, or finals MVP or whatever, like the, the NFT would sort of aggregate that in and then be more valuable, I guess. It's sort of like a buying stock in a player. I thought that was sort of a really interesting angle. Um yeah, you know, I, is really. yeah, there's some interesting things going on there for sure. I, but I, I'm not sure how you you can augment a digital asset. If I buy a digital asset, then you change my digital asset. <laughs> how does that? I, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, um, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah, let's let's definitely circle up sometime in the coming weeks and then have another one of these. I had a lot of fun today. I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, would love to talk more about sports cards and NFTs and kind of get into that realm as well. Before we oh, absolutely uh, happy to. Before we hop off, uh, uh, just uh, one more time for the people uh, listening. Uh, you know, where can they find you online? You know, if they're interested in hearing more about Optima, you know, where where can they learn more about that? Give us a little bit. Uh, you know, a little bit before we sign off here. Oh, so uh, you you can go to Optimus Sports Group on LinkedIn. We have a, a LinkedIn company page there. With uh, everybody's there, you can find me. Uh, my profile's on LinkedIn. That's probably, I, I don't use a lot of the other social media just because we're dealing with primarily the professional teams and so forth. So I, I don't gravitate towards Facebook or any of that, but LinkedIn's generally pretty good. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, well, hey, or you I'm can just sure. go to OptimaAnalytics.com and Shoot us an email too. <laughs> there it is. OptimAnalytics.com, yeah. Optimus Force Group, and uh, Troy Brazel, B R A Z E L L on LinkedIn. Uh, Troy, like I said, appreciate the time. Great to have you on. Awesome, Troy. Hey, I appreciate it. Hope uh, you're enjoying life out there. I, I'm actually, I'm very serious. I may have to get an excuse to come up uh, for the summer or you know, at some point during the summer and, uh, and say hi. No, we didn't get a chance to do that last summer, but uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off until next week. 
Sounds good. Hey, I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks, Trey. Thanks. All right, and that is a wrap. I am your host, Ben Samuels. This has been another episode of Coffee and Liquidity. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys showing up. Go ahead and check out alderonventures.com for more information about what we've got going on and future episode releases. Thanks, guys.